So isn't this beautiful? Miss Melanie gave this to me and Larry. Larry, you didn't know you gave this to me probably, but you gave this to me. <laughs> you picked it out? Okay. For my birthday on Sunday, I received this beautiful. It's cedar and black pepper. If you don't think you like black pepper, come smell it. it smells pretty nice. So, oh, <laughs> honey and haze where it came from. I know that part. So anyway, so I, um, today when I was, I was getting ready, I always like to light candles. How many like to light candles in your house? I light them every day. I just am grateful that the Lord knows my need and my, my great supply for candles. So he provides me with plenteous of candles because I go through them quite a bit. And uh, <clears throat> so this morning I was, I was getting ready for today. I'm going to talk to you about the matters of the heart. I don't know where this is going to go. This is what the Holy Spirit gave me. I have a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just going to trust him to lead, and we're just going to go with, with the direction that he wants. Amen. Are you all ready to put a draw on whatever the Holy Spirit wants for you today, tonight? It's not me. I'm just going to open my mouth. I believe he's going to fill it, and he's going to give you what you need. And you might hear something different than what somebody on this side hears, but if you put a draw there, it'll be there. And guess what? You're planting seed because the next time you get up and speak, you might need somebody to put a draw on your gifts. So put some seed in the ground right now <laughs> for when you need to minister to somebody, and it'll come back to you on every wave, right? It is the Lord's will for us to move up higher. Do you believe that? I believe that. And every time we open the Word of God, every time we open our mouth to worship Him, every time we look up and say, God, I need you, he will draw us closer, and there is an opportunity for us to move higher. God is always about creativity. He's not about destruction. He's not about stealing. He's not about destroying. He's not about going backwards. He's all about going forward, right? The sun continually moves. The earth continually, the, everything is moving because it's significant of how God is. He's creative. He's a creative force, and everything that he has for us is moving forward, and we are going higher and higher. Amen? I believe, you know, I was sharing with, uh, we had a staff meeting before uh, we started tonight, and I was sharing that I felt like the Lord gave me, you know, uh, in regards to my, to my mother and love, that we go from glory to glory, right? Amen? Amen? We're, going, we're moving from glory to glory. And I felt like he said the next glory that she's about to receive, her physical body can't contain because there's so much anointing and so much glory for the next step that God has for us and for her and the next um, project that he has for us that her body just can't even contain it. Because the anointing, how many have ever had the anointing on you so strongly that your body just shakes, you can't contain it, some people fall out. There's just, there's just a, a, a sense of such a strong power. It's powerful to have the Holy Spirit affect you in such a way and our physical bodies sometimes can't contain that power. Amen? And that's why we respond the way we do something. Sometimes we have to jump, jump, dance, you know, run, shout, whatever. Because that's your physical body saying, wow, this is so powerful. I can't even contain it. It's just God all over the place. And that's what he wants for us in this hour. Amen? We're moving from glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength, amen? Not weakness. We're, we're moving to strength to, from strength to strength. So Proverbs 20, 27 um, says, this is the Amplified, the spirit of man, the, fact, the factor in human personality which proceeds immediately from God is the lamp of the Lord searching all his innermost parts. And I really wanted the King James. The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord searching 
all the inward parts of the belly. And I was just thinking, you know, today when I was studying, I had my candle going, and just kind of nonchalantly, I was, you know, looking at it, and I was getting ready to leave, and I put this thing on it, and guess what happens when you put that on it? It goes out, and the Lord said, what's required for that candle to burn? Oxygen. What's required for me to burn? Oxygen. The breath of life. The breath of God. And there is an ability for this candle to burn if it's out. I'll turn it out so you guys get the full view of everything. This candle has the ability to burn. It's got the wick and it has, and it's required to have each part, right? You can't burn a candle without wick. You can't burn it without wax. It needs every part of it. Um, and so I kind of saw it as like, you know, the spirit, soul, and body of a man. There's, there's parts here that are required for it to, to, to contain the spirit of the man, right? But what happens is it's not going to really let off any fragrance until it's burning. It's required for us to be burning for the, for the, from the presence of the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit, so that you can, and there's scripture that talks about the fragrance, the fragrance of knowing him comes from our from our life when we know him when we're experiencing his presence and so um i'm, I'm not really going to talk about that but i feel like that was kind of a good illustration <laughs> that the lord was saying you know this is a matter of the heart that i want to talk to you about tonight and this is the heart of the matter is that the candle your your spirit has to be on fire and has to be fed by the spirit of god in order for it to be producing and you have an ability Every day when I get up, I have an ability to either live for God or live for myself. And, you know, you guys know the Ten Commandments, right? Does everybody know them? Just because they're in the Old Testament doesn't mean we do away with them. But the Scripture says that thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I think that's the number one thing that we've forgotten right now. Of course, it's scriptural. It talks about in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves and we're seeing that right now. And I believe that what's happened is we have become our own God. We live for ourselves. We live for what's comfortable for us. We live according to our desires. We live according to what we want. We live according to what our next plan is. And we can live so much for ourselves that we live God right out of our lives. And we become our own idol. You, you get what I'm saying. And I could get really deep into this, but I'm not going to because that's not where I want to go. But I want to just kind of bring this out. It's important for us to understand that our lives are, you know, and I'm seeing this so much more with sitting with my mother, my mother-in-law last week, that the most important thing that you get out of life is your spiritual walk and your, what you've put into your spirit. You know, the word talks about that there's rivers. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And I noticed that, you know, we're doing a lot of singing and a lot of praying in the spirit with my mother-in-law. And one of the things that we started singing, uh, I just had, you know, there's a river of life flowing out of me. You guys know that? Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up a well. Within my soul, spring up a well and make me whole. Spring up a well and give to me that life abundantly. And we're singing this, and she starts singing it with us. And then I'm watching her hands. Her eyes are closed, and I'm watching her hands. She plays the piano. I think she was playing the piano with her hands. 
She's, and then she's doing her head like this, you know. And I thought, that river of life is flowing out of her right now because her spirit, the candle, is, is lit up. It's burning. It has not gone out. There's a scripture that talks about this, the spirit of a, what is it? The spirit of a man will sustain him in times of trouble. And I believe that her spirit is sustaining her. And I'm saying all these as examples for us that we have to build ourselves up on our most holy faith so that in times of trouble, we can stand. We can't rely on this frail body. Do you, do you ever realize how frail this body is? Sometimes I think about it too much. <laughs> you know, the word says that it's a vapor. It's a wisp. I think about, you know, when we're in the cars and we're going so fast and I look over at people in these cars and thinking, our bodies are so fragile and we're all just zooming by each other, you know, just, you know, thank God for the protection of the spirit and angels watching over us. But we are very fragile. The least little thing, least little bump, we get a bruise. The least little thing happens and ow, you know, we're responding. But the spirit of the man is the strength. That's where we get our strength from. But what are we doing to keep strong? We become born again, and we're strong in the Lord, the Word says, in the power of his might. But how do we continue to maintain that strength? Because there's a lot of things that come to us that drain our strength. How many sometimes you feel just kind of whacked out and just kind of drained? I kind of did that yesterday. I just hit a wall. <laughs> I could not get off the couch. It was like I've been through a camp meeting. I've been through traveling many times and been sitting with her. And, and I'm just, you know, I couldn't even move. It was like, wow. And my body said, it's time for you to rest. And I felt like the Lord said, it's okay to rest. He's with us even in our rest. Amen. And so I, I, the Lord started talking to me about the importance of keeping our heart right before him. And, you know, because I've been dealing with some things in my own personal life, just with some issues and things. And I'm thinking, God, you know, you're asking questions. God, why this? God, why that? Wondering why, you know, people treat you a certain way and why things happen in your life. And it's like, and you're thinking you're doing everything you can to help people. And then all of a sudden something happens and it's like, wow, where'd that come from? You know what I mean? And, and the enemy comes, we know, to steal, to kill, and destroy and to knock us off our course. And it's important that we have our, our focus on him and him alone so that we stay in that place of victory, so that our hearts don't become hardened. And that's a little bit of what I want to talk to you about is hardening hearts or hearts that become hardened. There are many things that come at us in life that can cause us to have a hardened heart. Probably every one of us here could wave our hand and say, yes, I've had an opportunity, a wonderful opportunity to pass up my heart being hardened, right? Because we've had some issues that have happened in our lives. Maybe it's through a loss of a person, a loss through a job. Um, you know, maybe through COVID, there's some things that happen. There's lots of offense and things that are, words that are being spoken, political issues and things that are taking place in our world. Circumstances and families, jobs and issues, money, all these things can cause us to get into a place where we are hardened in our hearts. And it's, so it's important that we are aware of that. Proverbs 4, 21 uh, through 23, and this is a common one. You guys know this. Uh, this is out of the Passion Translation. It says, fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life. What, what's imparting life here? His words, the word of God. It'll impart true life and radiant health 
into the very core of your being. So there's life and there's health in the Word. And when we get into the Word, and you might think, well, I'm just reading these words. But these words have been breathed, God-breathed, inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Word talks about it. And so the breath of God is coming, penetrating through these words as we read them in faith, by faith. Now, we don't just sit down and go, fill your thoughts with my words, but they penetrate deeper than, you know, you can just rattle off stuff. And then you can ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, bring revelation. I don't want to just read this and have head knowledge about it. I need to have heart knowledge about this. And the heart knowledge is where the revelation comes. I can know a bunch of stuff. I can, I can quote off scripture. But if I don't know what it means and if it doesn't, life, doesn't bring life to me, then it's nothing, right? And that, But then there's sometimes we have to just continue to be faithful to do it until there's a shift that takes place. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, it's important for us to be filled with the Spirit because the Spirit will bring life to us as we read. So verse 22, Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all, most importantly, above all, if I tell my kids, the most important thing I want you to do above everything else, I think they should listen when I say that, right? Above all, guard the affections of your heart. What are the affections of your heart? It's what you care about. It's what, what you pay most attention to. For they affect all that you are, all that you are. They affect everything that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. So these words of life that we get from the word of God, they bring health, they bring life, and they keep us in a wellspring of life. The candle is continually burning. Now, I can get up tomorrow and decide that I don't have time for the word, and slowly, let me just do this. I might be, I might be uh, uh, you know, a scholar of the Word of God in my past. And then tomorrow, I just don't have time. And then the next day, I just don't have time. And the next day, I just don't have time. And the next day, I don't have time. The next day, the next day, the next day. Slowly, there's no oxygen left. Now, there's, I've hidden the Word in my heart, so there's some things that I have an understanding of. And it's bread that I've lived off of yesterday. I don't know about you, but I like fresh bread. I like to go to that place, what is it, Mandela's? They bring out the fresh bread continuously. <laughs> it's very dangerous, and it's very good, but it's the best. Old bread is no good. You can live off of old bread, but it's just not as good, right? So how many, how many know what a hoarder is? You all know what a hoarder is, right? How many are hoarders? You don't want to admit it? <laughs> I like it. You are. I like um, shoes. Yes, I have those too. Don't, let's not go there. <laughs> let's not go there. Um, yes, because I would, I would have that problem too. And it's a good thing my husband's not here. He'd be talking. Anyways, Miss um, Melanie gave me this little sign. It is just a little sign you put on your counter. It says, simplify. And I thought, she's... She's telling me something, isn't she? <laughs> I thought, is she trying to, you got one too? I thought, is she trying to prophesy to me or what? <laughs> Simpl it just simply says, simplify. I thought, okay. 
I know she's just, she didn't mean anything by it, but the Holy Ghost told me something through that sign, and I've been purging and getting rid of some things and doing some things in my house. It's amazing when you've lived somewhere for 19 years how much junk you accumulate, and then you have three children, and they're all adult children, and somehow they leave behind all their precious belongings that I'm not supposed to get rid of. I'm still looking for my daughter's letter jacket that we have no idea, and I have a feeling my husband might have accidentally on purpose, thrown some things away and didn't even look in the box, and it might have her letter jacket in it. But you know what I'm saying. You, you, you accumulate, accumulate all this stuff. And, of course, they say if you haven't wore it in the last six months or whatever, get rid of it. And if you haven't used it in the last year, get rid of it. And the older I get, the more I realize I just bought a new sign for my kitchen. It says, this kitchen is for dancing, cooking not so much. I like it because that's about the way it is right now. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of, of uh, cooking going on in that house. And I'm thinking, I need to get rid of some of these cooking utensils. And how many use paper products during the week? I use paper products now. It's like, what is wrong with me? I have all these cute dishes, and I don't, I don't, like, I don't like to clean the mess. So I'm going to use paper products. So I'm thinking, do I even need these? And I laid out some glasses and told my kids, here's some glasses for y'all because I'm not going to use them anyway. So I was thinking about it like this with the heart, the matters of the heart. Some of us are, have hoarder disorder that affects hoarder disorder that affects our heart. And it's causing our hearts to harden, whether you realize it or not. Unforgiveness, bitterness, just, just say yes after each one, just so I know you're with me on this. Unforgiveness, bitterness, resentments, regrets. Slowly, y'all aren't saying yes. Regrets, hurts, shame, rejection, abandonment. These are all things that we tend to hoard in our heart and those, hoard, those things that we are hoarding are just causing clutter, just like they do in our physical house. They cause clutter in our hearts. And after a while, it causes our hearts to become hardened. And guess what happens with a hardened heart? It's, have you ever seen a hardened ground? And we have a lot of it here in Texas, especially lately. You, nothing, you can't get anything into it. It's impossible. I had a spoon the other day trying to plant a, a flower out front, and I was hammering on that because there was no way I was getting through that hard ground. And guess what? When you plant something, not much comes up from out of that hard ground. There's not a lot of productivity or fruitfulness because there's the hardening of the heart. So let's look at Hebrews 3, 7 through 8. We're going to just talk about a few things here, and then... Um, and then I'll let you go. So this is actually, I believe it's quoted from Psalm 95. And this is Hebrews 3, 7 through 8. It says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as happened in the rebellion of Israel and their provocation and embitterment of me in the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tried my patience and tested my forbearance and found I stood their test and they saw my works for 40 years. And so I was provoked. I was displeased and sorely grieved. How many know we can provoke God? We can provoke God, even though we live in the grace time, we can provoke God. 
And so I provoked and displeased and sorely grieved with that generation and said, they always err and are led astray in their hearts. Always led astray. How many? Israel was led astray in their hearts over and over and over and over. They rebelled against God. They've not perceived and recognized my ways and become progressively better and more experimentally and intimately acquainted with them. Accordingly, I swore in my wrath and indignation, they shall not enter into my rest. There is no rest for a hardened heart. How many of y'all know, this is a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer this one, but you know somebody, it seems like they're never at peace or rest. There's always this upheaval within them. It's because they have hoarder disorder. They're hoarding something within their heart, and their heart has become hardened. And nothing can grow out of it, and nothing can get into it. Because there is a problem there that needs to be resolved, and it can be resolved very quickly and easily in the presence of God. Therefore, verse 12, beware, brethren, take care, lest there be any one of you a wicked, in, in any one of you a wicked. It's, the word refers to an unbelieving heart as wicked. Wicked. That's scary. Which refuses to cleave. This is a wicked, unbelieving heart that refuses to cleave, trust in, and rely on him. Now, I'm just going to say, when we become our own God, we have pushed God out of the way, and we have said, I'm going to trust in my own way. I'm going to trust in myself. I'm, I'm going to maintain control because I don't believe God can fix this. And that is a wicked and unbelieving, hardened heart. That's what the Word of God says here. All right, where was I? Y'all are supposed to know. We're supposed to help you. Okay, verse 12, leading you to turn away and desert desert or stand aloof from the living God, but instead warn, admonish, urge, and encourage one another every day. This is our job. We're to, we're to warn, admonish, urge, and encourage each other as long as it is called day, today, that none of you may be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin, by the fraudulence, the stratagem, the trickery which the delusive glamour of this sin may play on him. We're to warn each other. We're to admonish one another. When we see one another slipping into a place where we're not, we're not, um, we're in a place where our heart is being affected by something that we're going through, we need to encourage. I think we've gotten into a place now where we think well, the Holy Spirit's in them. They, I don't have to say anything. I'm just gonna just trust the Holy Spirit within them, or I'm just gonna pray. Yeah, I'm just gonna pray. But you know what? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And if my sister was getting near the edge of a cliff and she's getting ready to make a decision that was not helpful, I would in love say to her, I think you're getting really close. I love you and I just want to help you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be ugly, but I would say something. And there's something about speaking to each other in love that is necessary. It is necessary so that we don't see someone slip over into a place of hardness of the heart. Today, I, I, I felt led to speak to somebody gently and privately about a situation. And I thought, Lord, I'm going to check my heart before I do this. And I felt like God said, yes, because they need to be accountable. See, if we're not helping each other with some things, then we're just letting people slide off the edge. And the Word of God tells us to admonish and encourage one another. I'm not saying that you're to be lording over someone or that you're to be ugly to someone, but we need to speak to each other in love when we see some things that are happening that could cause somebody be, to be diverted from the faith, that could cause somebody to go off the deep end, that could cause somebody to have bitterness and doubt and unbelief in their heart, and they fall far away from the faith. 
There are a lot of people that have fallen far away from the faith because we've been too afraid to say something, and we're just waiting on grace to, take, to catch them when they fall. Now, I'm saying pray and ask the Holy Spirit when you're supposed to say something. Don't just go around telling everybody everything that they think you think they need to know. We need to be led by the Spirit. But I believe we need to speak up when, when the Holy Spirit tells us to speak up. We don't need to be afraid of speaking the truth in love. Amen? Y'all are really quiet, but I'm just telling you, I really believe this is important because we're in the last days. What if something that someone is moving towards is going to take them off the path where they don't actually re reach the eternal reward of heaven? Because they've made a turn in their life that is destructive. And we knew the answer. We saw them going that way. Wouldn't you want someone to speak to your life, into your life, that if you were making a decision or something that was destructive for your own heart? I see this in you. I see some things happening. I'm concerned and I love you. And I just want to pray with you. Let me pray with you. We don't have to be destructive when we say words, but we can be helpful and, and encouraging to one another. Amen? All right, so... Uh, but instead, warn. How do we warn? How do we admonish? How do we urge? How do we encourage one another every day? As long as it is today that none of you may be hardened and rebellion deceitful. Okay, I read that. Hebrews 3.14. For we become fellows with Christ, the Messiah, and share in all that he has for us. If only we hold our first newborn confidence, our first newborn confidence when we're born again, an original, original assured expectation in virtue of which we are believers Firm and unshaken to the end. We need to be firm and unshaken to the end. How were you when you first became born again? You were excited. You were on fire. You were firm and unshakable. There was a confidence that you had in God, a confidence that you had in faith, a confidence that his promises were sure. You were not moved by anything that was happening in your life. Your, your words were in check. You, you were ready and you were expectant about what God was doing in your life. And then slowly, slowly, the relationship becomes wane because you've experienced some life. Some things have happened. I see that happen even with church. People come in, they're excited. I love being here. You guys are awesome. This is so wonderful. Love being in the presence of the Lord and with my fellow believers. And then slowly some things happen. Slowly some things happen. And then things start to wane. And I like what my, my, uh, my nephew, Aaron and Aaron Cody, you guys remember Aaron, Pastor Aaron said, he said, you tell me you love me, but I want to see you stay here and get mad at me and stay and then tell me you love me. And that's when you know somebody really loves you is when they've gone through something with you and they've stayed. They don't just turn their back on you. But that's what happens in life. Some things happen to us in life and we have to decide what we believe in, in the word and what we believe that God, his word is true and that he's going to fulfill the promises that he said he would do in our life. We don't let go. We don't relax our hold on faith just because we've not seen some things. Hebrews, there's a book in Hebrews that has a whole bunch of men and women of faith that, you know, it says, and by faith, so-and-so did this, and by faith, so-and-so did this, and by faith, so-and-so did this. And at the end of the chapter, they hadn't seen what they were believing for. 
but it was, a, it was accounted unto them as righteousness, both in word and in deed, the word of God says. In word and in deed. Because they believed God, they trusted God, and they knew. And guess what? Their reward was on the other side. So we don't know what's on the other side. We've not seen it. Our minds are so small, and we have no idea what's going on in the spirit realm. We, we only catch glimpses of it when we get into the spirit in that place where we see beyond this. You understand what I'm saying? So we can't let go of what we have in our hearts, the words that the, the Lord has given us, maybe through prophetic words, maybe some things that you've, revelation you've gotten through the word of God on your own. Those things are there to, to fasten, like my husband says, put a hook in your britches to hold you on to what God has promised. So when the, when the going gets tough and things get crazy, you're not letting go of what you know is true. You're not letting go of your faith. You're not falling into that wicked, perverse, unbelief trap. Right. Okay, so, all right, where was I? Thank you. For we have become fellows with Christ. Oh, I read that already. Oh, 15. Then, while it is still called today, if you would hear his voice, and when you hear it, do not harden your hearts. There it is again. As in the rebellion in the desert when the people revoked him. Okay, Hebrews 3, 18. And 19, and to whom did he swear that they should not enter into rest? Who was he saying they wouldn't enter into rest? But those who disobeyed, who had not listened to his word, who refused to be compliant or persuaded. So we see that they were not able to enter into rest because of their unwillingness to adhere and trust and rely on God. Unbelief shut them out. Unbelief shut them out. So this is a warning for us to not harden our hearts. It's, the, it's in verse 8 of chapter 3. It's in verse 15 of chapter 3. And it's in verse 7 of chapter 4. So we are to be encouraging and exhorting to one another daily. So what makes us harden our hearts? What are the reasons that cause us to harden our hearts? Number one, I think, and this isn't all of them. These are just some of the things that came to me. Disobedience. Disobedience to the word disobedience to what God's told us to do. There's many areas I believe that we are missing the mark if we will be honest with ourselves. If we will get in the presence of God and ask him, what is it, God, that you would have me to do? Are we quiet? Are we still? Are we listening to his voice? You know what? I just learned this today. The, the last thing that goes when you pass is your hearing. Everything else shuts down, but the hearing is the last thing. And I thought, Lord, that's interesting. And I felt like the Lord said, it's because the spirit of the man is the candle, and the candle is still burning. It's still listening for his voice. It's listening for him to say, come. It's, it's the last thing. That's why it's important. We're careful what we say to people who are, we think are, are unconscious in, in uh, hospitals and di different things. They're still hearing because their spirit man is alive unto God, and they're still hearing. But our, our hearing is available to hear his voice at all times. Are we listening? Or are we following that God, that number one God, that idol, me, myself, and I? What I want. I'm listening to myself at all times. What do I want? I get up in the morning. I want coffee. I'm going to have my coffee. What else do I want after that? You know, we have our wants and our needs. And it's okay. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those. I'm just saying make sure that we're putting God first. Are we listening for his voice, for what he has to say. Because if we're not, then we're in disobedience to his voice. And sometimes I think we can do it accidentally. I know my kids, it happened today. I told Hunter to do, or Brain to do some things, and he said, I didn't hear you. Well, sometimes I think it's selective hearing. 
But other times he literally doesn't hear me. And I think, well, he's in disobedience, but he's not listening. But he's not listening for me. You know why? Because he's preoccupied with so many other things, tablets and whatnot, that he can't hear my voice. Isn't that how it is for us? We're so preoccupied with life, with our wants, what we need, that we can't even hear what he's, he's knocking at our heart's door saying, I want you to do this. I want you to minister to so-and-so today. Give so-and-so a call. Do this today. And you're so busy doing your own thing and in your own brain here that you're not hearing from here. And guess what's happened? The candle has gone out because you're not listening. The oxygen is blowing on you and it's flowing and saying, come on, do this. But you have, put a, you have put a lid over the candle because you are too busy with me, myself, and I. So we become hardened. The word hardened means to set or stiffen, to make callous, stubborn, to reinforce, to be unfeeling. Adam and Eve had to harden themselves through the deception of sin. And I don't have time to go through all of it, but deception and sin go hand in hand. They were deceived caused them to sin, caused them to rebel, and they were in a very dangerous place. Rebellion comes early in children. I know my, my daughter just posted something about Liam. He's three, I think, and he bit his sister's hand, and she took him in the room and said, why did you bite her hand? And he said, it was an ant. It wasn't me. It was an ant. So what happens when God wants to bring correction to us, and we blame somebody else because of the hardening of our heart? It's that situation that I went through, God. You know why I'm not disobeying. I'm still bleeding through that. I'm still going through this. Well, we can hang on to all that forever and ever and cause our hearts to be hardened forever and ever and never obey God. Never allow him to work on our hearts, right? Yielding to rebellion causes hardening of heart. Slow deception, it's, slow, it's a slow deception that eats away at your sensitivity to the spirit. When you are yielding to rebellion. I know my sister-in-law, Patsy, told a story about, I forget where it was. They're sleeping and these rats will chew on their toes and they have a venom in their spit that numbs. And so they start to numb your toe and before you know it, when you wake up the next morning, you are toeless. Because that venom has gone in and numbed. And that's exactly what rebellion and deception does to our hearts is it gets it's a venom that gets in our heart and the next morning before you know you wake up and there's a hardening of your heart and the ground is hard and nobody can get into it and nothing can come out of it because it is so hard because you've held on to this disobedience you've held on to this rebellion you've held on to this place in your heart where you've made excuses for why you're not obeying God and it's a dangerous place especially in the hour that we're living in amen People are going to miss out if they don't make changes because of being stubborn and being hardened. I don't, I, you know, I think it's important for us to have a daily check on our heart. It's important for us to have a daily check. We might be going through life thinking, oh, I'm okay. I'm in the word. I'm doing this. I'm praying. I'm doing this. But maybe we need to have a heart-to-heart -heart with God <laughs> and God point out some things. Hey, you know, I think it's, uh, you need to deal with this. You need to get rid of this. And let's soften this area in your heart. Let's get rid of this. Because what all it's going to do is bring healing to your life, right? It's going to bring a, more of an ability for you to breathe, for, for you to do the things that God has called you to do. 
Pharaoh was the poster child of hardened hearts. You guys know the story. I won't go into it. Um, He wasn't used to people telling him what to do. He was full of pride. Humility is the first step in softening your heart. Pride is a huge issue for those of us who are dealing with hardened hearts. That's the second one, pride. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, you are younger and of less rank. Be subject to elders, the ministers and spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Clothe or apron yourselves, all of you, with humility as the garb of a servant. That's the... (laughs) We're, we're servants to one another, and this is, this is our clothing. This is what we clothe ourselves with, so that it's a covering, and it cannot possibly be stripped from you. I like that. With freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another, for God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, and presumptuous, the boastful. And he opposes, and he frustrates and defeats them, but he gives grace and favor and blessing to the humble. He resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. It's so, so vital that we have a heart check consistently that we are not walking in a prideful way towards one another. And the bad thing about pride is you don't know when you're in pride when you're in pride until somebody tells you, hey, you're in pride. <laughs> pride is deceptive. We don't know we're in pride when we're in pride. And it's, requ- it's a requirement to have somebody tell you, hey, I just want to tell you, you know what, I'm seeing some things, and this is where I think it's important that we have an ability. Get somebody that can speak into your life, that you trust their their leading, you trust their spirit, you trust what they have to say in your heart, and let them speak into your life. We have to be accountable to somebody, right? We have to be accountable to somebody. Even us as, as leaders, as pastors, we are accountable. We have people over us that, are, that, we, that speak into our life. Now, it's not the it's not the sheep. The sheep don't speak into the shepherd. We have people who speak into our lives. Amen? And, and we're here to help each other, and, and we respect that, and I'm so thankful for that. Exodus 8.15, this is about Pharaoh when he, was, he saw there was temporary relief, and he made his heart stubborn and hard and would not listen. And he, This is when the frogs were going all over. I don't know about you, but when there's one frog, I'm freaked out. When there's one lizard, I'm freaked out. And they had a whole horde of frogs all over the place in their whole house. And Pharaoh saw there was a temporary relief. I don't know. I think the word says they actually got, no, that was the flies. They got rid of all of them. But there was temporary relief. And he asked the Lord in verse 8, he says, ask ask the Lord to relieve us from the frogs. So verse 15, relief came. And then he hardened his heart again. He decided, no, I'm not going to let those people go. And in verse 19, his heart was, heart was so hardened, he wouldn't listen. The people there didn't even believe in gods, and the people there were saying, this is your God. Tell your God we've got to get rid of these frogs. Their heart, his heart was so hardened, he wouldn't listen. He kept go, going back and forth, gravitating from believing God and letting go and hardening his heart again. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you guys know, I don't have time to read it all, but you know the end result of Pharaoh, his life ended up in the bottom of the sea because he's, his heart was so hardened and he was so full of pride, he did not want to listen. He did not want to obey. He was full of pride. And pride will take you down a very slippery slope and it will, in the end of it, is very dangerous. My husband has a saying, he says, pride and ignorance are a dangerous combination. 
dangerous combination, pride and ignorance. That's why it's important that we are subjected to people that will speak into our life and subjecting our, ourselves to the Word of God. If we are not in the Word of God, we have not submitted ourselves to what God has to say. His Word is His will. We are not submitted to His will if we are not in the Word. Because the Word of God, if you want God to speak to you, then open your Bible. Because he can speak to you through songs, he can speak to you through people, he can speak to you through all kinds of things. But the most important thing he's going to speak to you through is through the word. It's God-breathed, it's Holy Spirit-inspired, and it will bring life, and it will bring correction. What does the word say? In the word, it says that, that uh, a father that he loves corrects. So when I receive correction from him, when he tells me, ah, you need to get some things right here, I believe it's because he loves me, and he doesn't want to see me go off that cliff. It's like what I was saying earlier. Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes his sin will obtain mercy. So pride and rebellion is a sin, and it will cause your heart to be hardened. Proverbs 28, 14 says, blessed and happy and fortunate to be envied is the man who reverently and worshipfully fears the Lord at all times, regardless of circumstances. But he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Pretty blatantly right there. So you guys know Nebuchadnezzar. You know the story about Nebuchadnezzar. I won't go into all of it, but Nebuchadnezzar thought he was the man. He was the man. Even the beast answered to him. He was the man. He thought he was the man until he had to eat grass. God said, you think you're the man? Let's see how good you are. He starts eating grass. He doesn't know if he's a man or if he's a cow. He starts eating grass, and all of a sudden his nails grow out, and he's turning into this wild beast, and some things happened, and then he gets his life in order, and he starts writing to people saying, everyone needs to worship God. God is the man. <laughs> God is God, and I am just a man, right? His pride was brought down, and he softened his heart before the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful place to be with your heart soft before God so that he can speak to you and receive you the way you need to be received? It's hard for us when we are in that position and our hearts have been so, and some of us have gone through some stuff. I'm not neglecting that. I'm not, I'm not ignoring that. Probably every one of us here have gone through some ama amazing hard times, but the grace and the mercy of God is available for us at all times. And in his presence is the softening of the heart. In his presence, in his word. Amen. The parable of the sower. You guys know the one where the seed was sown on the wayside and the fowl of the air picked it up. It never got in. They never valued or understood what they received. There was never a penetration of the heart. And there was a lack of understanding. And it darkened their hearts because they were not thankful. So the third one is being ungrateful and discontented. Having an ungrateful and discontented heart. And of course, the world is teaching us that right now big time. People everywhere are discontent. Well, let's change this because I don't like it. I'm, I'm going to do this because that's how I feel. This is, it, it's, it's a terrible uh, ordeal. The moment we step into being ungrateful, murmuring and complaining is the moment we've stepped over into rebellion towards God. Because we are to be thankful, we are to be grateful. The fruit of our lips should always be giving thanks and praise. There is an answer in thanks and praise. There is no answer in degradation and disdainfulness and being upset and disrespectful. I know for myself, you can experience this even with your spouse. If you have a spouse, if you are upset at them and you're complaining and you're focused on what's wrong with them all the time, the next time you see them, all you can think about is how mean they are and what they did to you and 
how much you don't like them anymore. And you know what I'm saying? You can do that with your kids. How if they're acting bad and you can get that focus on how terrible things are and then the next time you see them, all you're thinking about is, I don't like you anymore. You know what I'm saying? Am I the only one that does this? Y'all are looking at me like, I don't do that. You guys are good all the time. No, when our focus is on the wrong thing, it manifests in our life. And so we become hardened in heart and we become ungrateful and discontented and we're planting those seeds in our life and that's what we're going to get back. But if we're thankful and we're grateful and we appreciate and we love and we respect and we honor one another, that's what we're going to get back. And then the expectation when we see each other again is, is of the same. It's not that dis, discontented heart that only causes our heart to be hardened. So a hard heart, hard-hearted person is disobedient, proud, and ungrateful. So I, I watched this video. I'm going to close with this. I watched this video today. How many know who Danny Gokey is? We had an opportunity to meet him up in Florida. He's a really an amazing worshiper and um, a, an amazing uh, singer, but worshiper more than a singer. He worships God. And you all know the story. He lost his first wife. She had a heart condition. And so he was talking about how, I don't think it's related at all, but he probably connected to it. Um, there was a pastor in Ohio that had a heart surgeon in his church. And so this pastor wanted to go watch this heart surgery take place. So he went and they opened up this, this woman's chest cavity. The heart surgery took place. Everything was in place. And her heart was not beating. He did everything possible scientifically and surgically that he could do. So the surgeon kneeled down next to the woman and he said, Mrs. Johnson, I've done everything that I can do to put your heart in place. It's ready to beat. Now I need you to tell your heart to beat again. And the woman came to life. She must have done something. She heard <laughs> her candle was lit, and she heard something, and her heart started beating again. And he was just sharing the testimony of how we've gone through some things, and it can cause our heart to be hardened. And God has already restored and, and recreated newness within us. And he said, if you'll just let go of the past and tell your heart to beat again, because God has already created something beautiful on the inside through his word and through his presence. And so I want to leave you with that tonight. I, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing to walk around with a hard heart. Uh, it's, it's not a fun place to be in. I, I've, I've experienced it myself. But I want to encourage you to tell your heart to beat again because God, the, the, sur the great physician, has already put everything into place. He's already done spiritual surgery on your hearts. And so if we'll let go of the hardness and the bitterness and the resentment and the shame and the rejection and the things that have happened in our past and those, those, un, those things that are causing us to be upset, if we can let go of those things and tell our heart to beat again in line with his heart, I believe that there is restoration and there's a place of, of contentment for you right now. We don't have to wait for a process. It can take place right now. You believe that? Amen. I heard this. I don't know if it's true. I've not done enough digging on it, but I have heard that uh, when people worship together, that your heart actually becomes synced, in sync together. When we worship God, your hearts become synced up with one another corporately as a body of Christ. I think that's pretty cool. 
I think it would be great to find that out. But I like it, so let's believe it. <laughs> I think it's cool. So tell your heart to beat again. Let go of the hardness of your heart. Let go of, don't be a hoarder. Don't be a hoarder. Don't have hoarder disorder. And let go of those things that would cause you, would keep you from moving forward in what God has for you. Amen?